Okay, can everyone hear me? Okay, I'm like super nervous, so <laughs> if I'm like, if my voice is trembling, please excuse me. <laughs> it's my first time preaching. Okay, so um, I think my sermon is going to go over some of the recent events that's happened and how, that, how we can see in the Bible troubling times, God has always been faithful to us and that we should always remember that God is good. So 2016 has kicked me hard with some jokes up its sleeve. <laughs> I remember on New Year's Eve, I thought 2016 was going to be a blast, but well, it has literally been a blast, <laughs> like a boom up in flames. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep referring to the election because I'm a political science major and that is what I do, make fun of politics. Well, pretty much. <laughs> but in these hard and tough times, when some of us feel persecuted, we often forget how big God is. He is bigger than Donald Trump's presidency, <laughs> for example. Sorry for the political statements and my biased views, but today I want to tell you all to wait on God's unfailing grace and faithfulness to his people. I want to read you a passage from Psalms. Psalm 27, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. So to my understanding from some Googling I've done, <laughs> this was written when David was fleeing from King Saul. And pretty much, David knows a thing or two about being persecuted or having your life on the line. <laughs> yeah, but during the time of his great uncertainty, he continued to praise the Lord and trust that God has the best interest in him, and he's got his back. Let me repeat Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he goes into verse 5 where he says, For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And David so feels how I feel right now in this week. Verse 12, Do not turn me over to the desires of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. That is like exactly how I feel about this whole election thing. <laughs> So what does David suggest we do during these tough times? Verse 14 tells us, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. So you all know that this shepherd boy David becomes the best, the most magnificent king Israel has ever seen. Even, even during these tough times, he's praised the Lord and he becomes a person the Lord sets him to be. There's another period of time in which God shows his faithfulness the Exodus. <laughs> Remember when the Israelites escaped from Egypt? God had promised them of a land where milk and honey flowed, Canaan. They knew that God has made a covenant with them, but as weak as humans are, us, they complained and doubted God's good intentions for them. We remember that the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron their second months away from Egypt. Just their second month. <laughs> Chapter 16, verse 3 in Exodus. If only we had died by the Lord's hands in Egypt, 
There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. That was a lot. That was a crowd of people. It was just not one person. It was a crowd of people complaining against Moses, shouting at him, why did you not just let us die in Egypt instead of bringing us all the way out here? But God was like, all my days, these people, he told Moses, verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And he did so, provided literally bread every day for the next 40 years. Until the Israelites still couldn't trust the Lord enough and started to stack up the manna and started stacking them up and display, um, display their distrust in the Lord. We indeed are creatures of doubt and we still can't trust the Lord, even after having food magically appear in front of us every single morning. But they were frustrated at Moses yet again. Exodus 17.3 Why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children livestock die of thirst? So God said to Moses, Go hit a rock. Verse 6 I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike this rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. Israelites had tested the Lord countless of times. Verse 2 asks, Why do you put the Lord to the test? Whenever I hear the Exodus story, and we've all heard it countless of times during our Sunday school while we're growing up, our parents have always probably told us, and the 40 years of desert wandering, I always thought, gosh, why are these people so stupid? Why can't they just trust the Lord, these Israelites? <laughs> but the Israelites were basically saying, why are we out here in the desert on our way to a wonderful promised land where we could have been eating well and saving away rather... I just got that wrong. <laughs> Why are we here on our way to a promised land when we could have been slaving away and dying in Egypt? That was literally like me interpreting Israelites' stupidity. But we are exactly the same. Us humans think we know better than God's plans, an incredible amount of love for us, that we like to complain and complain on why things are the way they are today. Especially in times of hardship, when all feels like they're falling apart from us. Today, right here, right now, I can relate to the emotions and worries of the Israelites of the Exodus story. On all levels, 100%. It's a desperation for a reassurance. That reassurance can be found in Jesus. This semester started off swell in the past two weeks until, uh, <laughs> until I made a trip to the rock bottom, and then I'm slowly still climbing way out of it. <laughs> but sitting next to someone who praises a red-headed man in a class it is rough. <laughs> and just as much as we need to trust God, we need to also carry out what he asked us to do in these times of hardship. Remember that the greatest commandment Jesus told his people is to love your neighbor. Okay, so the guy sitting next to me in class is literally my neighbor. He like sits next to me in class. So thank you, Jesus, for literally making me love this person with all my heart. It's funny, but it's true. Because Romans chapter 5, verses 8. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus tells us we should love even those who hate us because he loved us at our darkest. So we need to love other people in their darkest. But it's okay to mourn and bring your tears and prayers to Christ in these times of trouble. For blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. We are now in times of doubt. Something inside us keeps making us angry worried, frustrated, anxious, and sad for the unknown future ahead. But in Philippines, um, Paul reminds us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. 
I encourage you all to trust, pray, and wait. Personally, I had asked God while I was leaving for college to take my heart apart and in doing so show me all the ugliness, the darkness, scars, and remorse within me and one by one heal every piece of it so that I can be renewed and born again and be the broken vessel he can use as his instrument. I think he's doing that right now. And not just this election, but my journey with the Lord has been very emotional. <clears throat> but I know that he's keeping his covenant with me and that what seems to be like pain and suffering is just him helping me become his faithful daughter. So even though it may seem like the world is falling apart, <laughs> you and God's world isn't, and his promise with you isn't falling apart. So we must have confidence in God's goodness and love for us all. Thank you.